0: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mastermind.fm. Your hosts today are myself, James Laws, with me, Kevin Stover, my business partner. Say hello. Hello. Hey. And we have a special guest host with us today as we kind of talk around uh, business models, WordPress businesses, uh, selling businesses, and things like that. Uh, Phil Dirksen. uh, You probably know Phil probably best by uh, WP Simple Pay. Mm -hmm. probably what people would know you best by. Phil, why don't you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what you're into at the moment. Sure thing.
1: So yeah, WP Simple Pay is my main product. It's a WordPress plugin business that I own and run. And it is a, as far as the product goes, it's a way to accept one-time and recurring payments with Stripe on WordPress. And it's just a quick and simple standalone plugin, you know, based on just having a Stripe account in WordPress and getting payments going up and running real quickly. So I've been a developer for a long time, gotten broke off and and ran my own business or started my own business years ago and it became full-time just like three years ago. Um, And now I'm focused solely
0: on uh, plugins. Very cool. Uh, We met... Man, what was this like? A few years ago, at Pressnomics, was probably yeah, our first first connection. Mm-hmm. And I've been really interested in a lot of the stuff that you're doing, especially with WP Simple Pay, which is you know a Stripe integration. And as a product, like we have a Stripe integration, but ours is like the poor man's integration compared to <laughs> like uh, <laughs> everything. The, the like the way that WP Simple Pay integrates with Stripe is just very elegant and very nice. And uh, so I encourage people to check it out. It's a uh, it's a very cool way of doing it. I know we look at it and start thinking about what we're gonna steal from it that we <laughs> that we want to integrate. Uh, uh, full disclosure, Phil, sorry. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you signed up for it when you came into the open source space, right? right. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding, kind of. Yeah, you're just doing some really cool stuff and I uh, always had really good conversations. I know you're kind of in a transitioning kind of space because you've had multiple products and you're, you're getting ready to unload one of them uh, or have just recently unloaded one of them. Focusing, I think right now, is, is your main focus just doubling down on WP Simple Pay for now?
1: Yes, that's exactly right. And that was a uh, main reason I sold a plugin recently, unrelated plugin.
0: So tell us about the, uh, the plugin that you sold. What was, what was that process like of selling? I always feel like selling a WordPress product is difficult and Uh can be challenging because of perhaps the, I don't know, the value proposition in in the open source space. Right.
2: Before you jump into the how, can you walk me through a little bit of the why? So like at at what point did you realize, oh, I need to get these other things off because I, I need to just do this?
1: Yeah. Well, actually going back further, the first plugin that I created that had some success as far as, you know, actually selling online, my first sales it was a Pinterest sharing plugin. Um, okay. And and what happened is after, when this was all on the side, I was still working full-time as a developer uh, for somebody else, not even in WordPress. And with that one, it got to a point like the monthly sales kind of just flatlined for a long time. And I didn't really, I mean, there's always things I can do to improve the product or marketing, but it just seemed like that was the ceiling for it. Yeah. And it wasn't a full time, it wasn't something that was going to replace my day job. So I figured, well, the next thing I need to do is is start another plugin and and you know, have multiple running. And I'd seen other people do this as well. So I did that and I that's when I started WP Simple Pay. But then just like the idea of buying and selling plugins or SaaS apps, I I found out more about that. There was actually a market on both sides. There's brokers things like that. And the Simple Pay, the Stripe plugin started to take off a lot more. And I think it's just the nature of the type of plugin it was. It was business to business, you know, B2B, you know, it, it was providing value in, in the sense that people needed something like it, at least to sell, to make money on their own WordPress site. Whereas the social sharing plugin, it's not, you could go either way. It could be for a hobby right. site. It could be for whatever. So I think because of that, that's the Simple Pay it surpassed the Pinterest plugin by quite a bit. So I wanted to put all my focus into there, into that one and was able to sell the Pinterest plugin. But then I got a little bit ahead of myself and after that was done I'm like, I I looked around and like okay, I need another plugin still.
0: <laughs> right?
1: Cuz this is I can't just focus on one this one plugin. It's not going to work. It hasn't worked for me before. So, I actually acquired a free there was no pro Add-ons or or um, pro upgrade to um, this one, but I actually acquired a Google Calendar plugin that had been around for a while, but hadn't been updated and and so on and so forth. So I just built. I, now I had two plugins again. So I didn't learn my lesson the first time. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so, so kind of so, the same story. I I built that up, you know, and as you guys know, everything takes much much more effort and longer than you think to kind of refactor, rewrite, and do everything you need to do to get something ready to sell, or ready, uh, you know, uh, in the shape that it needs to be that people would actually buy it. Yeah, and, and so then I found myself in the same spot later on, whereas Simple Pay kept growing, I also had this Google Calendar plugin that that was growing and. I finally got a paid add-ons out and all that, and it, it was starting to have some success. But the split focus is what I ran into again. So we, have a small, we had a small team at the time. I had yeah. two developers and myself and a part-time support team. Yeah. And it was just too much for us to have both of these plugins. And, and there's also, like, there's no, there's no crossover in the customer base. Right. It, they don't really, you know, they're pretty much two sets of customers, if you think about the types of products they are. So an event calendar plug-in and a, and a payments plug So after a while, I felt that because of this and our split focus, you know, developers had to go back and forth between them. It, uh, you know, both products were not kind of living up to their potential. So that's when I started. And, and, and since I knew that there the there was an option to put it up for sale, I started pursuing that. Yeah, and, and you know, it, there's a whole process I could talk about. I posted about it as well, but, um, you know, using a broker looking for buyers talking to people all that kind of stuff and yeah. finally found the right buyer and uh just um it was last it was just a few months ago yeah um uh, this summer 2017 that i i it was acquired so now focus 100 on simple pay and I'm, I'm loving it
0: yeah there's something to be said for i mean i know we're branching out into some other products now and playing around with some some other ideas as the business has grown, but there is something to be said, uh, kind of an elegance of just one product, one focus, one marketing effort, one development effort, one business effort, like Hmm. to focus on that. There's something nice about that. And, uh, I don't know if we're going to come to regret the decision to, 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 to bleed into other projects or not. I'm not, I kind of wonder hearing you talk about this. I do. I sometimes wonder like, at what point do we say this was maybe maybe not the right decision?
1: Well, first off, you have a bigger team. So sure, if certainly. you can if you can segment, you know, your groups and like this person heads up product for this or heads up the product team here and this is the other product team lead and so on and so forth, that that helps. I know like I see similar size companies, you you know, Pippin's companies, uh, uh-huh. you know, EDD and and Restrict Contact Pro and Affiliate WP, I think they all, I think they do that where they have kind of a lead of each one. Yep. And the other question, of course, is, is can you cross-sell between the different products?
0: Yeah, and that's it a, that's definitely somewhere where Pippin has done an amazing job, right? Mm-hmm. Like EDD, which is, uh, you know, digital download selling uh basically an e-commerce solution, affiliate marketing, which you need generally will try mm-hmm. to adopt into an e-commerce solution to help sell, you know promote your product. And then, of course, restricting content um, for membership sites. So they all kind of are very, there's a lot of synergy in yeah, between all, those three projects. they all
2: projects. work together. Yeah. we we'll have a similar like, audience.
0: Kind of like you said with uh, WP Simple Pay and then the uh, Google Calendar plugin, there is there is some crossover. But there's not, it's not like a one-to-one kind of it like if, in, in the sense of the Venn diagram, right? There's just a sliver in the middle of where there's like, oh yeah, no, I'm doing events and I am collecting right. payments for these events, but they're not necessarily the same, the same uh, audience.
2: Earlier, I, I interrupted you as you were, as you were asking this question. One of the things I'm interested in is how do you arrive at a. Sales number for a for a WordPress plugin like how do you just how do you go about that because that that seems pretty daunting to me even for like a plugin our size um, I feel like that would be difficult
0: yeah and and to kind of preface this question and kind of create maybe a a background uh, context for the question about selling a product because you sold your Pinterest plugin then you so- sold your uh, Google Calendar plugin most recently and. You know, we see like in the space of like hosts right now are going crazy acquiring all kinds of products. But in almost all of those cases, they're acquiring a team. Like yes, there may be a product that's around that team, but if the team is being acquired. It's what we affectionately call acqui-hire, right? Where they're right. they're they're really acquiring a specialized team around an idea or a a concept of a product more than even just the product itself. And we see a lot of these, and you totally make sense when you say, oh, okay, this is because there this this business as a whole is being absorbed into this other business. But in the case of what you're doing uh, and, or what you have done is you're not getting rid of your business. You're not getting rid of your developers. You're not getting rid of your team. You're saying, here's, a, here's the code and the site that I have, you know, the brand that I have put together and the customers and stuff like that that I've put together. So I'd be interested to hear how you kind of went about that process of selling a plugin like this, because it seems to me like it would be extremely difficult proposition.
1: Yeah. So, and there's definitely both where team or part of the team goes with the acquisition. And in my case, they didn't. Although I will say that I think you guys know Kyle Brown, WP SaaS, the support as a service. Yeah. His team has done the tier one support for my plugins all the way back to the, the first ones. And he still does. And for both sales, because his team is already supporting multiple WordPress products. And they're used to that. I mean, they're they're only really part time. It's it's several of them. They went um, part of the sale in both cases. They went with the product, so to speak, and still were, were able to keep supporting Simple Pay. So, yeah. So they got some support that went over. Well, there's a lot that goes into it. I have a more a little more detailed post on on Freemius's blog if you want to. We can link that up later. But yeah, absolutely. Basically, you know, SaaS products are the hot ticket as far as internet properties being sold. I mean, 4X, 5X, annual profit is, you know, even higher. That's what they're going for. So, you know, things like e-commerce sites and affiliate or ad sites or or even plugins or desktop apps, they're going to be lower than that. But I would say that, you know, a good solid WordPress plugin or theme is going to be like two and a half times to three times annual profit is kind of what the sale price range looks like it is right now and and you know that's where mine mine landed both times of course there's a lot of a lot of factors of that you know if you have a you're looking at like say you're looking back six months trend or six to 12 months trend of do you have increasing revenue or decreasing or right. line? you know that has a big effect on it in any kind of sale i mean any kind of product you know for SaaS, a lot of them have you know monthly recurring renewals and our customers paying them on an automatic basis so that so they that better predictability you know of revenue so you know I didn't have automatic license renewal I do the typical annual license renewals um, for both plugins but I didn't have the automatic setup for a simple calendar when I sold it. I think if that was in place for a while, probably what maybe would have sold for more. I have it in now for Simple Pay, and as you guys do, you guys have talked about that yep. before. And you know, like things like how big and active is your, you know, mailing list, your traffic, all these kinds of things. Well, if you take out all the expenses, so if you're, like you said, if the developer is not going with them, they that, and if you're spending, like me as the the owner, if I'm spending time in the code as well, that needs to be factored in, even if I'm not paying myself directly for it. So right. they right. need to know. You know, what that's, you know, the expenses they might need to incur if they need to hire all development. Right. So uh, things like that. But, uh, and there's a lot of preparation that goes into uh, selling it and things like that. I can get into if you want.
0: Yeah. I'm kind of curious, uh, I would assume, you know, to sell a product. Um, and we're actually in a in the process of doing some business restructuring just for the sake of simplifying if ever there is an exit in one product or another that can be as clean as possible um mm-hmm. which has been easy up till now because really we have one main product that makes pays for the entire team And and everything that we do, so it's not been a big difference other than just to say, okay, let's not let's not as we start new products, let's not mix everything into that, and then muddy the waters where we're like, well, Mm -hmm. this actually isn't a part of this. This is over here. (laughs) Like, how was that process for you in the beginning? Did you have the foresight to keep all of that stuff separated pretty cleanly, or did you find yourself have to go through a little bit of administrative?
2: How difficult was it, I guess, to find transactions and profit and loss and stuff from your various products?
1: Yeah. So the first time I sold the plug in the Pinterest one, I did not have these separated out well. So I had everything going into the same PayPal and Stripe accounts as far as sales go, along with some miscellaneous, you know, consulting income, both products, that sort of thing. So yeah, that's a pain if if you don't have things separated out. So i learned that lesson and so with i at least had i had over a year even even more probably like two years of you know all the sales expenses everything separated out uh for the most part between the like the calendar and the simple pay plugins so and that's we're talking like separate paypal accounts separate and stripe you can have separate those are the two ways i accepted payments for, for selling my plugins. In Stripe, you can have multiple accounts under one login. And then just now some things are combined. Like I pay one bill to WP engine for 10 sites. And so you just, some of them, you kind of just divide up. Um, okay. So separate webs, you know, separate domains, separate sites, everything. Nothing's, you know, nothing's like my brand slash whatever. It's completely separate. So yeah, that's that. Uh, if can still be done, but you have to go through a lot of back, you know, a lot of wading through stuff and and figuring it out, um, you know, which can take some time if you don't have them separate from the get go.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a f- a fun experience. I've just, you know, we've been organizing our our books, uh, just, you know, just getting our chart of accounts a little more streamlined and cleaned up after, you know, years of years of just putting in transactions, they start to get a little muddy and you go, oh, why did we create that category? And <laughs> so mm-hmm. as we're cleaning up all of this, I start thinking about um, as we start new products, what that looks like on our bank account side of things, because I probably will want to separate and and create new bank accounts for those different things so mm-hmm. that just uh, everything, deposits and expenditures can be handled exclusively from a single account for that particular product. So I'm definitely thinking about that stuff. And I don't have, you know, we're not necessarily building anything or have anything that we're looking to sell, but that's always in the back of my mind if that does become the exit that we take I don't want to be <laughs> fighting through waiting through transactions and bank accounts and separating things and mm-hmm. and honestly cast a shadow of any kind of mishandling of how that stuff was taken care of right. No, it's just all or, or completely aptitude, separate right? <laughs> or, like, or an you're not, you're not which, which is probably more likely the case right
2: <laughs> yeah and i think i think it's interesting too right because you, you didn't go into either of those plugins expecting to sell right so so you didn't come into them saying oh i'm gonna buy this plugin i'm gonna put a little bit of work into it fix it up and flip it basically. So, do you think that that is something that's uh happening in the WordPress space or is on the way like is plugin flipping going to be a thing?
1: Oh, man, yeah. I don't know. I guess I I've kind of done that because I acquired the free Google Calendar plugin or the one on wordpress.org, but I I don't see it a whole lot. I some people have bought plugins like like our friend uh, Dave Rodenbaugh, that's how he got started in WordPress as well he yeah back in the day his first plugins he acquired off of Flippa um
0: right. he
1: still has them now i mean i don't know i don't i think you see that more with with sites you know ad sites and stuff like that yeah. people building those up and trying to flip them but how,
2: how do you um you said the the calendar plugin was a free plugin when you bought it how do you value a free plugin so how did you put a value dollar amount on this free plugin that's not currently bringing in any income.
1: Well, I was prepared to, you know, buy it for a small amount, but that didn't actually come up. So I acquired it for no cost. And okay. what the so the way I looked, I remember the way I looked for the plugin was, you know, like I said, I was on the hunt for a second plugin, and I looked at uh, I just filtered the .org repository by you know plugins that had a, a ton of downloads and active I don't think no it was before active install so a ton of downloads yeah. um like 200,000 or more it's been around for you know say 3 4 plus years and um hadn't been updated in either it had that 2 year mark you know hadn't been updated in 2 years or it was close to it and I just and it was a plugin that um kind of interests me the technology behind it. like something i use like right like google calendar and i actually reached out to say five different plugin owners and you know heard a no back from oh basically there was no activity for a while so wasn't surprising i didn't hear back from a few of them and <laughs> <laughs> got a no from one or two and then and one guy was like yeah i've been trying to focus on my, on my he was out of the uk i'm trying to focus on my you know in my consulting business I'm too busy with all these projects you know it's a popular plugin I don't want to let all the users down but I don't have the time to work on it I just rather give it a good home right and and he warned me too and he was right you know there's a lot of work to be done on it and you'll probably want to redo this and that and <laughs> so on and so forth <laughs> and so after back and forth and kind of saw my work and stuff he he basically handed over the reins so
0: that's pretty cool. I think that's an interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting idea for people who are looking to get into the space too, who aren't exactly certain like what to build or how to get started, and or even just generating ideas. Uh, I mean, I think it's an interesting idea to just kind of search the repo and look for that magic combination of factors: uh, popular in sense of downloads, and now you could actually look at active installs, um, number of downloads, hasn't been receiving love. But seems to have a somewhat passionate user base that likes the product and wants to use it. And it's not that you're gonna hit a gold mine every time, but you might find something that sparks your interest. And you're like, "Hey, I'm like you said, I'm interested in the technology. I'm interested in the idea. I think I have some ideas on the philosophy and how to make this this better." Uh, and then just reaching out and just asking you may get lucky you find somebody who's like listen I like the product I don't have time for the product if you can prove you can do it I'm more than happy to hand it over That mm-hmm. kind of seems like a sweet spot for a lot of people who might want to get in- involved and just don't know where to start
2: yeah maybe um <laughs> the dangerous part of that is that you're stepping into a vehicle that's already moving, right? Like, like this thing is already moving. It already has users, and if you have absolutely no experience in maintaining a plugin that has any kind of user base, one of your one of your criteria is right, like it's going to have two hundred thousand active users. Well, that's a different ball game than starting from scratch with zero and sure. building it up to that two hundred thousand. So. I think that could be a good idea for some people and it could be a bad idea for others. I think that totally depends on your level of experience.
1: Yes. No, I would agree with that. And that happened to me like, you know, a bunch of things. Like I said, it's it's a lot more work to get the code up to snuff to be able to add more functionality to it. And on some of the updates, I did exactly, you know, I did a few things wrong and, and, or we, our team. And, you know, as you guys know, with the level of, users you have on your free plugin. When, I mean, when something goes wrong, it could, it could be, it's magnified. I mean, like you said, Kevin, if it's a plugin, you just start out and you just have a few hundred or a thousand active users compared to, you know, 20, you know, 80000 or 150000 That's that's a big difference.
0: Yeah. I don't know anything about that. We never make mistakes or yeah. push out stuff like that. <laughs> 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 that, that never happens.
1: No,
2: <laughs> that would never happen. So,
1: but on, uh, on the value side, though, on the flip side of that uh, is as far as if you're giving up a popular plugin that's just free and you don't have actual dollars coming in, you might be able to get some for it But um, most buyers are going to be looking at, you know, what kind of sales and profit are you making from it?
0: So, you know, it
1: could go both ways. But anyway.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and, you know, I, they have that's the the other is the hidden cost. Like you talk about like releasing something that could break a ton of sites. But when you pick up a free plugin that, you know, maybe hasn't had much love or whatever, you're also taking on, of course, all those support costs and you're saying, I'm going to maintain this. Therefore, I am taking responsibility for the support. And that's, I mean, a lot of times, you don't. we don't factor in, even when we build features, I think at times we don't actually factor in how much this feature is going to cost us. Um, We think it's a huge value add and in the right hands, it is a value add, but in the wrong hands, it's just a sink of cost to educate and instruct and to. I I mean,
2: you also don't necessarily know how willing the user base of that plugin is to buy something, right? Because you may take over a free plugin, but it turns out people are using that that plugin for free because they aren't willing to pay for anything else. Like that that seems to me to be a risk you have to at least figure in and calculate when you're offering to buy something for somebody like that.
1: Sure. No, no. When I, when I was calculating on the calendar plugin, I'm like, oh, there's 200,000 downloads. And if I get even, so let's say on simple pay, I was converting, I don't know how many percent, let's say, you know, 5% of users were upgrading to pro. I don't know what the number is right now, but on sure. the calendar, I'm like, well, if there's this many active installs, then, you know, and I get even 1% or 2% of that. That's going to be huge, right? But I think you're exactly right, Kevin. So many of them are just used to it being free. And there was already a ton of functionality in the free plugin that that they were like, oh, I'm good with that. I don't ever need anything right. else. And you can't take it out at that point.
2: Right.
0: Right. So, anyway. I,
2: I mean, you can, but people will stop using it.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> you should try yeah. not to. That's a struggle too, right? With a free product. You can't just pull things out necessarily. I mean, they're 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 baked in, they're used to it, and you start pulling features out and you just you have a PR nightmare plus you have a support nightmare and blah, 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 blah. Uh, definitely an interesting perspective to kind of go through the process, find a plug-in purchase it and then to turn around and realize I shouldn't have purchased this (laughs) or in your case not even purchase it I shouldn't have acquired and taken that taken this on (laughs) adopted this uh this product I really need to be focusing uh, on it how fast of a realization was that when you took on this new plugin after you had just gotten rid of a plugin and we're focusing on W Simple Pay and then you've picked up this other plugin at what point at the realization that you go I've made a terrible mistake.
1: Well, so with, (laughs) (laughs) so it was just me and one other developer when I uh, sold the Pinterest plugin and then acquired the calendar plugin. Or when I, so when I acquired the calendar plugin, uh, you know, I I hired another developer. And my idea was that he would just, the new developer would focus on, you know, the simple calendar um, and to get it up to the point where I needed, you know, we could start building paid products on it. And, you know, the other developer would, existing one would, you know, business as usual and continue with the, our existing, you know, with simple pay. Well, the second developer I hired, he ended up, I think it was nine months of a full-time developer before, and I still hadn't released any paid add-ons uh. to, <laughs> so basically <laughs> paying this guy to build up a free plugin and do support for it for nine months. And, you know, with our size company budget, you're, that was... You're a real uh, yeah. startup.
2: <coughs> Congratulations.
1: You're a real startup. Yeah, you're building right? you're
2: building software and not getting paid for it.
1: <laughs> so where I was thinking, oh, yeah, three months whatever, get something out there. But, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. And just seeing simple pay not move as fast as I wanted it to, like I said before, you know, that was the other part. So, yeah, I guess it was a gradual realization, but I don't know.
0: No, it's it's interesting. So you get this Pinterest plugin, you sell it, you you have WP Simple Pay going, you then take on another plugin, you decide after several months <laughs> later that this probably was not the best choice. You uh, unload this other plugin, you sell it, you go through that process. What was that process like um, as far as, you, did did you say in this last time you used a broker to sell it?
1: Yeah, I actually did both times. Okay. I, yeah. I used, um, both times I used, um, they're called FE international. You know, I learned about them through, you know, colleagues that have bought and sold apps before, uh, um, SAS apps and pro- you know, all kinds of products. Yeah. So they basically do, it's just a higher touch, more, more vetting of the buyers and sellers. So they're pretty, and over the years they've gotten pickier about, you know, what they will sell or, and, and the buyers they, in fact, some people recently, you know i was able to use them for selling this plugin but other people that hadn't met a certain you know annual profit or annual sales you know fe is starting to not take those in just because they're moving up market more and yeah. more each year so I already had used them and you know they have a broker just like buying and selling a house they have a broker to help you with everything they got all the paperwork the legal stuff they ask you all the right questions but or I should say, they ask you a lot of questions, which I'm sure are all needed, but it, it can take quite a while to, to get to that whole questionnaire of basically all the possible questions a buyer would want would, would, and detailed answers to, including all the numbers and everything we talked about, profit and loss and all that kind of stuff. But, and usually what they'll do is, you know, match up buyers and sellers that, you know, they've never spoken before uh, to each other. So, but what I did this time and it took longer is, you know, I actually reached out to to people privately first that I thought might be interested in buying the plugin. So I actually reached out to some other well-known event and calendaring plugins that are out there that have a premium, they have paid options basically, and they're also, they also have popular plugins in the repo and they weren't interested, but you know, we had good conversations and I wanted, basically I was looking to see if I could find the, you know, a good fit myself first before approaching the broker. And then eventually I did find out, I saw you guys at Pressnomics earlier this year, A few days later was MicroConf, which I also go to every year in Las Vegas. And there is in in fact, in the Slack group before the conference, I struck up a conversation with another guy there that I met him in person at the conference. And then he ended up being the one to acquire the plugin. It's actually called SureSwift Capital. And they have acquired a bunch of different SaaS apps and some plugins as well. Like they acquired WP Touch in early January 2017 and some other apps. Anyway, this is something they've been through before as well. And we ended up using FE International for... Even though they didn't find the buyer for me, we brought them in for all the other things I mentioned. They, they, the whole process, the, all the questions and details that need to be recorded and written down and, and the agreements and so on and so forth. So we still use them, but um, that's how I went about it this time. So
0: that's interesting. If if somebody were, I, I mean, I guess I already know the answer, but I figure I'll just let you say it. Um, if somebody was thinking about selling their plugin uh, or their product, or SaaS, or whatever the case may be, and uh, weren't sure about their next steps, what would be your first recommendation uh, to get started on that process?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, they could, like I said, if you want to reach out to your personal network first or ask people to put you in touch with other people, I did that as well, you know, mutual connections that would be one way to, you know, if you think, oh, this, this company, it looks like they might, you know, find this, you know, my product or my plugin valuable, or you can just, you know, approach the broker directly and, and they'll start asking you the questions, you know, they'll, you know, they'll say, okay, you know, give me all your records and, and, or, you know, lay out the details of of your profit and loss and all this kind of stuff. and, so they could do that. They can go either way. If they don't, don't really have somebody in mind that um, they're thinking would be would want to acquire it, then they can just approach the broker first. So
0: very cool. So you've done all this. You've you've sold two plugins. You've purchased one or acquired one, and then ended up you know as one of the ones that you sold. Talk about WP Simple Pay today. Where are you at? What's your team look like? Anything in the pipeline? Any exciting plans or? Yeah, just what's going on with with you now that you've kind of gone through this phase of taking out a few products and then unloading them?
1: Yeah, so I've actually it's just recently for other reasons, just myself and the support team, WP SaaS. So I'm actually back in the code a little bit more, splitting my days between running the business and improving the product. Actually, though, my wife she's helping part time on the marketing end and content and stuff like that as well. So that's that's the whole team right now. It's the typical thing of trying to balance um, improving the product and improving the marketing, you know, basically. I mean, we all deal with that. So as far as the roadmap goes, it's pretty apparent some of the top features people want uh, in the plugin that have been that way for a while. But we're also... You guys are at Copa Press, obviously. We talked mm-hmm. there. Right. And uh, I still am going through... Now, I actually didn't... So Chris Lemma's actual session on Product Roadmap, I missed, but I kind of caught the notes later and talked to him later. And I, I talked to you guys about this a little bit too, but kind of uh, segmenting your customers. And we, so Ninja Forms and WP Simple Pay, both we have, you know, that kind of that same problem of... Not a problem, but we have customers using our products for all kinds of things in all different verticals. Right? right. So trying to figure out, I guess, what's, you know, what's kind of rising to the top in the, in there. And and it's, it's tough because we did a written customer survey before Cabo press. And then we actually got some customers on the phone after Cabo press, according to the advice we got, and we're trying to ask those questions. You guys do, were you guys in that roadmap?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you remember the five questions? I I don't actually. I had like I think I had like three of them. I think
2: they all ended in a question mark. <laughs>
0: Thank, thanks, thanks. You're, you're welcome. Nice. All <laughs> right. Here, I'm, I'm here all day. I, I kind um, I I think I vaguely remember three of them, and then I remember we I remember being in a conversation, and even Chris couldn't remember the fifth question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have them written down. I don't know if they're accurate, but we're. You know, yeah, let's hear them. To... Let's for okay. those. So, so, so what we're t- so a little bit of what we're talking about too, and this is notorious in the WordPress space. We're actually notoriously bad about this, where we rarely talk to our customers <laughs> other than through <laughs> right. support tickets when they have a problem. Um, and it's not that we don't want to talk to our customers and things like that. It's just whatever reason we don't have the engine or the system, generally speaking, set up to get on regular phone calls or or interviews with our customers to get get to know them better. And I know it's something that we're working on. And obviously, obviously, you're working on. So for those listening, uh, these five questions were a basic framework of things that you could be asking your customers to get an idea about what what it is that they're they're in and how you might be able to direct and focus your segmentation in your marketing uh, and learn a little bit more about how people are using your product. So these were those those five questions for those who are looking for a little context
1: yeah yeah so they were um what issue is you know asking the customer uh, preferably by by voice, what issue were you trying to solve when you found our product? What other products did you look at besides ours? How long did it take you to decide on purchasing our product, and then what solution are you building with our product, and then was there any friction or stress in the buying process so of those five really, only what solution is narrowing down what I guess their their industry or use of it is right right, so you could drill down on that, and the others are more about the buying process but but I guess not. I guess you're trying to communicate you know if they're having problems, if they can't decide on buying your product versus a competitor, then your messaging is probably not good yeah, and, right so
2: and I think that that first question is really important. What were you looking for when you found us? Right. So what problem were you trying to solve that led you here? Um, That's a really important question, because how many times have you like had a problem and wanted to look for something and you just didn't know the Google words to search for? Like I, right. I, I've had lots of problems, and if, and I knew if I just understood, like if I knew the two words I could Google, I would find the answer to this. But I don't have those words in my vocabulary. Sometimes people find us, and the words they're using aren't the same words that, that we're using for our product. Does that make sense, or is that just off the rails? No,
0: yeah. I, I no, yeah. I think that makes sense. I, what those five questions make me think about, and this maybe even part of their origin. I'm not, you know, I'm certainly not aware when Chris talked about them, like where they originated from, but. When we talk about segmentation, we the old adage uh, that we use is kind of like the personas or the avatars of a customer. And you say, this is you know, small business Susan, and she uh, is between the ages of 30 and 40. And she, you know, she, you kind of create this persona of who your customer is. But a lot of times the personas that we create don't actually tell us why they purchased our product. And right. and they don't actually even tell or us how to find more uh, Susans to tell them our story. And, and right. so it's a kind of a broken persona. So there's this other idea of personas or you know, creating these kind of ideas of what we're going after called the, the jobs to be done method. Um and if you're not familiar with it, I encourage you just Google Google it. I'll put some stuff in the show notes about it. It's a really interesting concept. Some of the questions that they ask are a lot of these what questions because a lot of times what happens is when we get on calls in our, our own way is we ask questions like why? Why did you choose us? Oh, why didn't you not choose this other person? Um would you be willing to would you be willing to purchase something if we built this and these are terrible questions to ask people because first of all you're you're when you ask people why you're asking them their opinions and we don't really want to know their opinions and in most cases the customer doesn't know why they did something like they don't know the subconscious like that's our job to figure that out by when we hear the what, what was the problem they were trying to solve? What is the job that they're trying to accomplish? What is the job they're hiring your product to do when somebody comes to buy WP Simple Pay, right? Why am I hiring WP Simple Pay? I'm hiring it to do a job for me. I'm, I'm hiring it to create a better life for me. I'm hiring it to do something uh, for me. And the other question that we ask is this, would you, which is you're asking the customer to fortune tell, like what they might do. I'm going to predict the future of what I might do in the future. And no, none of us can do that. Like none of us can say, we might say, oh, that sounds like a great idea. But then when the, when the money is asked for, we're like, nah, I don't really (laughs) think I need that. Right. Right. So this idea of jobs to be done is saying, uh, what is the job that the customer was trying to accomplish? And we have this, we know this common phrase, uh, this common, it's uh, you know, it's kind of like marketing gold quote that we all market. Nobody wants a quarter inch drill. They want a quarter inch hole, right? That's this idea <laughs> of, in marketing, you're trying to solve a problem. You're not trying to sell the drill. You're trying to sell the, the solution, the thing that they want. And the truth is, uh, the jobs to be done kind of flips that over and says, actually, no, that's not what they want. Like the reason people buy a drill, there's there's a number of ways to get a quarter inch hole, right? You can you could use a nail and hang it and hammer it in. You could borrow a drill. You don't have to buy one. You could just borrow it from a family member. And so the the example this person gives, and that I like I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, gives about this is this idea that the reason this person this one person bought this drill is because they they want to basically help me be able to improve my home anytime I want to, so that I can you know, live a better life so I can have a better home, so I can have a better, you know, have this better idea of the thing that I want to do. Because the problem that they were solving is Every time I want to do this project or use this drill, I have to call my father-in-law, see if he's home, schedule a time to go pick it up, then do it. And I maybe he's home, maybe he's not home. Like, it's inconvenient. So there, like, there's this whole other story of why somebody might buy a drill. And knowing why people buy your product helps you kind of fo- focus in on the job. And then that job helps you focus in on the person. It's like, I think I, it's just an interesting way of thinking about this idea of personas a little bit differently than. You know, small business, Susan, who actually tells me nothing about why you purchased my product. Right, right. <laughs> um, so I, when we talk about segmentation, I, I, I encourage people to look up. It's it's a kind of a hot topic right now. A lot of people are talking about it, but it's it's very interesting uh, and, and stuff that we're exploring. And a lot of those questions that were those five questions that we just talked about are kind of a part of that, uh, I, I think, fit very well in that framework. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you've said you've gotten on some calls, right? Yeah. Uh, and so you've asked those questions have you gleaned anything like profound
1: yeah well still kind of going through the records here the notes well two things just warnings okay. we okay i like i like warnings <laughs> okay so and it was also you know my wife and i because you know her doing the marketing and stuff she's doing some of the calls we didn't have any kind of international plan so we didn't do like skype or zoom Anything we did actual phone calls at first, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we set it up with Calendly, but we didn't. Anyway, we uh, didn't change our phone bill. So we ended up with a little bit of high of a phone bill because we actually had a lot of this is a good thing to know. We have a lot of international mm-hmm. customers. So anyway, warning on that before you start making <laughs> international calls. The other thing is that a few of them turned in. They were just we just scheduled 15 minute, you know, time portions for these five questions. Uh, a few of them turned into basically feature requests. <laughs> so the customer just was like, basically, you know, props to them. They've, they've submitted these feature requests before, but they kind of turned the call and said, well, I'd really like this. And I really like this. And, and so we were trying to get at the root of the, the questions we were asking, but anyway, that's okay. I mean, it's still good talking to them, but yeah, kind of still going through it and also the, that written survey we were talking about, but we did, confirm that we have people using our product for a lot of different things but some did rise to the top that that or at least above the others a little bit that um, seemed to be a little more prevalent than than other usages so it's it's good but it's a lot of it's a lot to go through and digest and And things, so I guess to be determined, still
0: a little bit. Yeah, we're. I mean, I know internally some of our people are going to be making some phone calls and scheduling some calls with customers to have these these kinds of conversations. But I've also thought, in order to do it in more in mass, and I'm thinking about hiring an intern (laughs) to actually make the phone calls and somebody who can just say, actually, I, I can take your request down and write it down and bring it to the team, but I can't offer you technical support because I don't. I'm not technical. I'm, I'm literally just asking you questions about you. I just want to learn about you <laughs> and yeah, that's not, yeah. and so almost, that can almost be disarming at, maybe at some point where you say, I, I'd love to help you, but I can't, but I can take all your requests to the team and make sure that they're aware of these issues. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. 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 That's good to have that kind of in place already ahead of time,
0: be prepared to, to answer and, and do that like no, that. That sounds so. fun. Any other interesting market? I know that marketing was a big topic uh, in Cabo Press. Uh, I know for us, we we're were we doing a lot of stuff right now you know, internally to just kind of up our marketing game because we just don't market. We've never marketed. And it's not for uh, lack of desire. A lot of times we're just heads down in the product and in support that we just don't have time to think about anything else, really. So Kevin and I have slowly moved ourselves out of the product and into the day-to-day operations of just keeping the product moving forward so that we can focus on kind of the marketing of the business and, and the various products that we, that we want to explore. Uh, so we're just kind of moving in that ourselves, but I know marketing was also kind of a hot topic for you and, and your wife mm-hmm. that, you know, we talked uh, at length about what does marketing look like? Do you, have you guys come to any clarity on some marketing direction at this point, or are we still testing the waters and still working at through the survey data to kind of say, okay, what do we, what do we want to focus on?
1: Yeah, we're, I guess we're still, we're still going through it, trying to figure out that, but you know, we're taking the, approach of, so my wife, Corey, she's doing the content on our, on our blog, you know, one area that popped up and maybe you guys have this too, is that a lot of people use our product for donations, Mm -hmm. but not like a majority, but it seems to be one of the top usages. And we didn't really realize that. So that was the next blog post was, um, was how to use it for donations. And prior to that, we were just kind of, you know, just picking picking one that we knew at least a couple of customers used it for like uh but we weren't as, we didn't have as good of an idea of that. So like we did a uh, fitness studio would use ours to accept payments, but we didn't actually have the survey or call data to back that up. We just kinda, Oh, well, we knew a couple people did, but so that, that helps us, I guess, prioritize the content so far. Yeah, so, yeah. um, but, but definitely, yeah, focus on marketing and balancing that. Cause I, I'm the same way I get just wrapped up in the product, product development. Did you, you guys catch Syed Balki's session on, you know, just converting e-commerce hacks is what it was called converting. <laughs> I
0: so didn't, I heard one version of it at uh when he was at pressnomics um i'm i hear that there was there was some other stuff that he added that he says like that i wouldn't give at a conference talk but i will give it this in this kind of pool setting of cabo press so i heard there was some other stuff there but i i didn't actually uh i didn't actually get to sit in that were you in that session
1: yeah i was and you're right it was a continuation of his pressnomics talk but um and some things i had already focused on within the last year and but, and so it was good to affirm that I, I'm on the, on the right path here, but basically focusing a lot of your conversion efforts on your pricing and checkout pages and in, in what ways, like the details, yeah. um, the, I, I won't go through the whole list now, but, uh, but, uh, um, yeah, so that was, that was pretty helpful. I have a lot of notes on that.
0: Yeah, I think that's important. We noticed that like we, Kevin and I are actually working on a project right now to revamp our entire checkout flow and process because ours is really, honestly, ours is out of the box EDD. We've just never had any time to go back and really spend any time with it. And true, yeah. this isn't a bash against uh, EDD, but I mean, it's, it's vanilla. It's meant to cover a broad kind of use cases but if you really want to enhance it you really have to dig in and change templates and move remove things and move things around and and really get into it and we've just never taken that time and we've just this week just started a project of revamping it and it's kind of got a three-phase approach to one clean it up uh, then move some things around, and then finally actually restructure it completely, um, which we're really excited about. But I think we, we noticed was, and the reason we took this on was I, you know I of course watch our analytics, I watch our sales, and I keep an eye on all of that stuff as any any business owner would do. but I was I, I kind of get frustrated when I'm like, I've seen more people add stuff to their cart, um, maybe even add a discount code or something like that. And then still not purchase. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, there's so much intent there, right? Like they've like in order on our site currently anyway, you've had to have said, yes, add this to my cart. And then, yes, I'm ready to check out. And then, yes, I'm ready to add this discount or whatever (laughs) the step is. And then still not going to buy it. And I'm like, what? Come on. Like, so I, I noticed that there's a large, still a huge number of people who do that and it frustrates me and, and so that's my that's our mission right now is how do I lower that percentage of people who just bounce off of our checkout page for whatever reason and so we're trying to figure that out now so we're playing around with some stuff but I think that's that is yeah. a place for a big gain
1: yeah, it is and and I did that earlier in the the year I worked on the checkout page and the pricing page um, quite a bit and you know I if people go there now and and just look at the checkout page I mean I just did a lot of this is is already known but was um you know people will tell you it works that have actually tested it with higher volume you know adding testimonials to the, the checkout page reducing yep. the amount of fields all that kind of stuff i mean i just ask for email first name last name in the payment i generate an account for them yeah so and i use you know I credit card fields um, when i pop up the you know, it's basically like my plugin also provides, but it's not connected to a, a e-commerce solution, just the minimal amount of fields that you want. And some people want more than others. Like, So I don't collect full billing address, just the zip code and the yeah. credit card,
0: things like that. So um, anyway, there's a lot you can do. That's I know that's like a struggle for us. Like we have like billing details that we have to collect because we have to collect taxes. Um, and what really frustrates me is, And I'm trying to think about how to work the system and figure out how to make it work out best. Because the truth is, I only need to collect taxes if you're in the state of Tennessee. And so I don't need to know every single field. If you're in this, just tell me you're in the state of Tennessee, I'll charge you tax and we're done. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, like I don't need to know every other piece of information. And yet, I've ha- I'm, we ask for all of that information, and I'm sure that doesn't help the process any. Um, so we are trying to hide some fields that we know we can get rid of and, and go from there. But there's e-commerce hacks is kind of an interesting thing that you could look at. And if you are using something like a WooCommerce or an Easy Digital Downloads or any plugin to, for your shopping cart, You probably need to look at it with some fresh eyes. Go through some other checkout processes that are really tight. Like Amazon is the king of checking out, like, and makes that so so simple and fast. You might want to take some time to look at some of their techniques and think through that if you're listening, and just kind of say, "Hey, how can we look at our checkout process with fresh eyes?" Because that's what ended up happening to us. We we ended up testing something because we had to. There was something else we were working on, and so we had to test the checkout flow. And we're like, "This sucks." Like this is the worst <laughs> this is the worst checkout experience ever. No wonder more people like more people should stop yeah, at I, this point I, and just leave.
2: <laughs> I was doing it and I hated it. It was awful.
0: So we we knew we needed some work. Uh one last question yeah. before we wrap up, because we're getting kind of we're getting a little long in the tooth here for our normal episodes. Actually, I say that, but the last episode that, uh, that Donica did was like two hours long, and we had to cut in half. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so maybe it's not as long as other episodes can be. Uh, what I will ask this: so e-commerce hacks, you've played around with it. What would you say is the number one e-commerce hack you would encourage? Uh, somebody to tackle that you have implemented and said yes. This has had the, the probably the the single greatest uh, results uh, that we've we've done.
1: Mm. It's probably one of the simplest ones to do, but adding testimonials next to your on the side or at the top or just really visible next to the checkout right. fields.
0: Yeah, no, that that's 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 smart social proof, and I would say you can do that all over your site. Right. Like on your product pages, um, but on that checkout, right when they're getting ready, that that little impulse, like I'm just getting about to ready to click purchase. And then that little like that little testimonial says you're making the right decision. (laughs) Right.
1: So and you're oh, and that was another thing from Syed Sock. Put your most relevant or I don't know if your best testimonial or the one that makes the most sense um, on that checkout page. And it could only be one. I have two right now. You can do one or two because you still want them in other spots. You want them on your pricing page. You want them, of course, on your, um, your landing page. But um, at least, you know, with an avatar, with a picture, one good one there.
0: Yep. That's solid. Phil, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Um, I know we kind of talked uh, around a whole lot of stuff. A lot of stuff, yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But I actually appreciate just kind of the talk shop and kind of work through some of this stuff. So we really appreciate you taking some time to just kind of talk shop. Thank you for being on the show. Oh, yeah. yeah. thanks Thanks, guys, for having me on. I appreciate it. And we will, uh, we'll definitely have you on again and do a, do a kind of a follow up on, we'll pick some other topic to just kind of chew on and see, see where we come up with uh, in the yeah. future. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Are you going to be, uh, I can't remember. Are you going to be, yeah, that's, that's yes, right. He you is. sent me an invite. That's right. Yes, of course you did. Uh, he
2: is. Did, you re- did you respond to that invite?
0: I I mean, I did. I, I mentioned it to him on Twitter. I was like, yeah, yeah, no, we're going to, we're definitely going to be there because he had to bring it up to me a second time. I apologize. <laughs> I'm terrible. Brian also reached out to me like twice and I didn't respond to him either for some reason. Unbelievable. I'm a terrible human being, and I apologize. Um, (laughs) On that note. On that note, thank you so much, and thank you for all of our listeners. If you enjoy Mastermind.fm, please uh, go on, head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Let us know what you think. And if you have questions for anyone who's been on the show, uh, just send them over to podcast at mastermind.fm, or you can check us out on the website, mastermind.fm, and we have a questions link there for you, and you can let us know.